Father, I come to you today. Use me as the vessel you speak through and cause your word to go out with the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn in us and cause alive those things that you have planted, the seed in which you have planted since the beginning. I pray that the Holy Spirit would make that revelation become real and become evident in our lives so that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the faith of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will be faithful to transmit that which we have received from the beginning until the day, Lord, that we will see you. And I pray for everyone who is here. May they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ in the way in which you have ordained since the beginning of time. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Our minds and our thoughts and our ways are never God's way and never God's thought. We must proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of a Christian is not to live a decent life. It's not that we need to do good to others. Now those things will come as a result of your sanctification. It is not that God needs your good works or good works. God doesn't need us to do anything for Him. God needs us to know Jesus Christ. God needs us to know what He has done for us. The gospel is not what we do for God. The gospel is not what we will do for others. On behalf of God, the gospel is what Jesus Christ has done for us. And our job is to proclaim what Christ has done for us, what God has done for us, not what we can do for Him. And that is the gospel. The Christian pursues Jesus Christ, not the things that come out because He has somehow miraculously changed you. And now you're this magnificent person that you have an ability to do many things for others. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is the Christian pursuit of Christ. And as he gets closer to Christ, he comes to know Him. She went to the tomb to look for the Lord. And when she found him, she ran home and told everyone about Jesus Christ. She found him at the well speaking to her. And when she came to recognize he's the Messiah, she went into her village and to tell them, and they didn't believe her, but they went out there and met him. That is the gospel. The gospel is our encounter with Jesus Christ where we come to meet Jesus and then we run home and we say, look, I found Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Don't listen to me. Go there and see him and find him and encounter him yourself. The apostle Paul says, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. It doesn't matter our life, whether or not we are healthy or we are ill. Our life is to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. And the apostle Paul says, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is to gain. He said, but if I live in the flesh, this, this is what I do. I am torn between two things to be with Christ, which is far better, but I'm here because of you. I'm here because of you. Where is the wise? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 to 24. Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of the preaching to save them that believe. The preaching of Jesus Christ is not so that you can use your intellect to be able to grab onto the gospel. The gospel in itself has innate power to save those who believe. That's what the gospel message is. It's not my persuasion. It's not my ability to even speak English so that you can hear and understand. It's not my inability to have a lips so that you can understand. The gospel has the power to save. The gospel has the innate power. So I myself need to just preach the gospel. We need to preach the gospel. We need to preach Jesus Christ. And he will save, not because of my eloquence, not because of your intellect or your wisdom, 
that not by the wisdom of the world. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The preaching of Jesus Christ is this. I don't know who out there among you and those who are on the internet watching right now, I don't know who God has called. I don't know. It has not been revealed to human, to me or anyone. We don't know who God has called. But the preaching of the gospel, when it goes out, it calls those whom God has determined, predestined unto the salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That is what the meaning of the gospel is. That's, what I, that's how I preach the gospel. It's not that I can appeal to your intellect and your wisdom, but I am preaching the gospel so that when the gospel comes to those who God has predestined to be saved, we've been drawn to him. That's what the gospel does when you preach the gospel. It is the key that unlocks salvation for those whom God has preordained unto eternal life. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That is the gospel. He has predestined us. And how do you know? Well, we will never come to know. We must hold on to God by faith. And how do you hold on to what by faith? By the preaching of the gospel. When this gospel message is preached, you hold on to it. If you have the grace of God, whether it's prevenient grace or it is the supernatural grace that comes from God, you must have it to hold on to the gospel by faith. The gospel has the power to save those who believe, not with man's wisdom, not with reason, not because I appeal somehow to your understanding that you are able to receive the gospel, but the gospel has in it the power to save those who believe. One, preaching Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The world wants to make Jesus into something it understands. But the gospel is fundamentally different and tells you this is God and we are not anything like God. And for you to come to God, there needs to be Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. And so we must preach the gospel, Christ and Him crucified. The gospel becomes a means to further our social, political, and also economic agenda. We see that happening through the COVID shutdown. We see people use the gospel in a way that it is abhorrent to the faith. And some use religion to appease their consciences. Oh, I go to church. I tie. Isn't that good enough? The preaching of Christ and Him crucified ensures that there is this purity of separation between this is God who is nothing like us and this is us who is everything unlike God. And so we need Jesus Christ. The preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ ensures this divide that we can never come to God unless there is Jesus Christ, not because you somehow have an experience or an encounter with God, there is no experience or encounter with God. There's only Jesus Christ in the middle. That is it. And if we don't preach Jesus Christ, there is no way of getting to God. It's not how you live your life or what you can do or how you can perceive God. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the beginning and the end, the author and finisher of your faith. There is no one else. The contradiction between man's love and God's sovereignty is exclaimed in the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ's power. Romans 1, 4 and 16 and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness and by the resurrection from the dead. And then verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel has innate power to save those who believe. 
How do they believe? Well, they hear the gospel. How do they hear the gospel? By someone preaching the gospel. And what is the gospel? It is Christ and Him crucified. That is the gospel. That is how men get saved. The power of the gospel resides in Christ's resurrection. You see, everyone will die. Everyone will lose to the grim reaper. Everyone will lose when the angel of death comes. If you do not have the blood of Jesus Christ upon your doorpost, the death angel will come for you. No one escaped. There's no one will escape death. The resurrection ensures this, that death has no power over those who believe in Jesus Christ. He that raised up Jesus from the dead, he that raised up Christ from the dead, that same power will raise you from the dead. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of the gospel. And so we must preach Christ and Him crucified. Him crucified. The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ ushers in resurrection. And that's the gospel. That is the power of the gospel. When the angel of death comes, you have Christ's blood because there's no shedding of the blood. There is no remission of sin. Jesus must die. We must preach the death of Jesus Christ because without the blood, you have no blood. There is no blood of God for you. And the death angel will come and there is no resurrection for you. Not that we should think about death and dying all the time. But this is what we come to know about the Lord's work and his death and sacrifice for us so that whether we live or we die, the preaching of Christ crucified proclaims the natural trajectory of sinners. We will head to hell. We will go there. It is the end. But that the power of the gospel ensures this, that Jesus Christ triumphed over death. He's resurrected. And the same power, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit which dwells in you. For all have sinned, Romans 3, 23, and come short of the glory. All, except for Jesus Christ, all have sinned. The death of Jesus Christ propitiated the wrath of God, appeased God, and allowed us to be able to come to God through his death and resurrection. Christ's wisdom, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Uh, the four things that accompany every believer. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The preaching of Jesus Christ and Him crucified is that wisdom. You see, you don't need wisdom to believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus imparts the wisdom of God to you. It's the other way around. It is faith that brings wisdom to those who believe. Not only wisdom, but righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The devil wages a war against us, and this is the war that he wages against us. The devil whispers into your ear and says, everything will be fine. Go on, live your life the way you do, and everything is fine. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Note the word here, blinded the minds. Blinded the mind. You see, we can open our eyes. We can have ears. We can have the intellect. But our minds can be blind to the gospel. Completely blind. Because the devil has blinded our minds. We cannot. There's no way for us to use our intellect, our ability by someone's wisdom, a man's wisdom, being able to unlock your mind so that you can come to the knowledge of salvation. It is, it is impossible. God has to come. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ opens up your mind to revelation. Ignorance is comfortable and easy. But vigilant requires patience. 
perseverance, and prudence. The preaching of Christ and Him crucified ripped open this veil, this, this thing that is over your mind, so that you can come to the knowledge of the glorious salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, you know this one. And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now note, it says, are able to make thee wise. Able to make thee wise. It's not a sure thing. Because the gospel, the scripture, everyone can read the word and have the Bible and even memorize it. But until the Holy Spirit starts working in you to unlock the mystery of the gospel, you are but blind in your mind. But the starting point is the scripture. Without it, the Holy Spirit has nothing to work on. The scripture is the starting point. For Timothy, it was the scripture when he was young. But the preaching of Jesus Christ and him crucified reveals the truth of the scripture, always reveals the truth of the scripture because Christ is always revealed through the scripture. Remember the two friends on their way to Emmaus. Jesus says, the scripture points to me. And so we find Jesus Christ when we preach the gospel and the scripture opens up and you see Jesus Christ proclaimed. Our mind is open and we behold God's salvation through the faith in Jesus Christ. Then the wisdom of God will descend to you. To the anatomy of a sermon. Turn with me to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. I hope that one day we'll all preach the gospel in private conversation or in public settings like this. And this I want to go through and show you what preaching Christ and Him crucified looks like. Let me begin with the Prince of the Preachers. And this is what he says. This is Charles Spurgeon. The motto of all true servants of God must be, we preach Christ and Him crucified. A sermon without Christ in it is like a loaf of bread without any flour in it. No Christ in your sermon, sir? Then go home. Never preach again until you have something worth preaching. Let's look at Peter's first sermon. Let's see how he preached Christ and him crucified. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 17 to verse 21. They heard the apostles speaking in foreign tongues, and they said that these men must be drunk. Preaching the gospel is like that. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and here's Peter's response. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servant and on my handmaidens, I will pour out my, in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Therefore, that great and notable day of the Lord come, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now note in this passage, the apostle Peter begins by quoting the scripture. He did not do it the way that I did it. He memorized it. To my shame, I did not memorize the scripture. He memorized many of the scripture, and to your astonishment, I hope that you will see Peter's whole sermon is quoting the Bible. So if you ever thought that I'm quoting the Bible a lot in my sermons because I don't have anything to say, you're right. I don't have anything to say. All I say should come from the Bible. That's what Peter did. He quoted the Bible. There's nothing wise or, or intellectual about what a preacher should say. He should proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter begins by quoting the scripture, the source of authority. Everyone who listens and believes must believe in the Scripture. The Scripture is true. 
So he begins with the scripture. It is the point where we all can converge and look upon because that's the source of authority. What happened in the upper room is the fulfillment of this prophetic utterance. Joel prophesied what happened and what they saw happen before them is the fulfillment of this. It's an incredible thing to live in that time, right? to be part of the fulfillment of the scripture unfolding before your eyes. Joel prophesied and lo, the spirit came upon them. Young and old, they start prophesying. The scripture points to the coming Messiah and Peter will get to that. But in the beginning, the scripture must pave the way for us to understand what God is doing. We must preach from the scripture. It cannot be from my interpretation of scripture. He, he quoted verbatim. There's nothing from his mind here. He's quoting from the scripture. And that's how we should start our messages. Don't know what to say? Quote the scripture. Don't know what to tell your friend? Quote the scripture. It is a starting point for every sermon. When we preach Christ, we quote the scripture because the scripture talks about Jesus Christ. The scripture points to the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Peter interpreted the scripture by pointing the scripture to Jesus Christ. The job of a preacher is to take the scripture and point people, the scripture is talking about Jesus Christ. Why is the Spirit coming upon our flesh? What for? That is his introductory remark. He quoted scripture. And in Luke 24, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded, Jesus expounded unto them all the scripture things concerning himself. The scripture points to Jesus Christ. The preaching of Christ and him crucified begins and ends with the scripture pointing to the author of that scripture. It is a recursion, but it's a good recursion. The work that Jesus Christ done at the cross finishes what the scripture declares in the beginning. And verse 21 concludes that, the promise of God, whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter ends his quotation with that verse, whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me ask you this. Is anyone calling on the name of the Lord? Are we calling on the name of the Lord? And who is that Lord that Joel prophesies? Acts continue with verse 22 and 23. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. The introduction of this prophetic word that Joel has spoken through Peter translates to this prophecy, this scripture points to Jesus of Nazareth. There's a person, there is an object to every sermon that is preached, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that is spoken is not for you. It is to point to Jesus Christ. The scripture points to Jesus Christ, and Peter in verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as yourselves also know, in verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. The core of the message is Jesus of Nazareth. And here's the gist of the message. He died by your hands. We killed him. That is the gist of the message. The message is that Jesus Christ is the subject that the prophets talked about. All the prophecies point to Jesus Christ, and we kill him, and we kill him. The preaching of Christ begins with the person of Jesus Christ. There are sermons where we allude to, we think that people know we are talking about Jesus Christ, but in fact we are talking about ourselves, or we are talking about other people, or we are talking about our experiences, or we are talking about, God knows what we talk about. When, when there's no mentioning of the name of Jesus Christ, it is not preaching the gospel. I don't know what it is. 
is not preaching the gospel when Jesus Christ is not mentioned right in the middle of Peter's message, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and he died for you. That is the gospel. It's not how good we should be, how strong we ought to be, or how good we should feel. That's not the gospel. That never is the gospel. The gospel is about Jesus Christ, and we kill him. And he died because we are wicked. He died because of our sinful nature, and we looked at him, and he looked so different, and so we want to get rid of him. That is the gospel message. God incarnate in the form of a man. He lived as a man, but without being made like man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. That is the gospel. Christ is not some allegorical figure. He is not some symbol of some message that we have to give to the people. He actually was a man being made, being formed. Being, being formed like a man. He walked this life. He ate just like us. He slept like us. But in all things, he was God. He did not sin. And that is someone, that is the person that we should proclaim and exclaim in our messages. In Revelation 13, 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, which is the devil, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ was slain from the foundation of the world, not about 2,000 years ago. Judas did not orchestrate Jesus' death. We're not that smart. We cannot change God. God has orchestrated salvation since the beginning of time. The death of Jesus, even though men, we were instrumental in killing Jesus, but Jesus was ordained by God to be crucified for our sin. This is the plan of God. God did not react to our sinful nature. God knew our sinful nature. Otherwise, he's not God. God knew. And woe unto Judas that betrayed him. And woe unto those that crucified him. But we did not come up with this plan. We become part of God's plan. Which part of God's plan will you be on? Will you be a vessel of honor? Or will you be a vessel that fit for destruction? We must pray. The preaching of Christ must proclaim his crucifixion. Even though it's Tedious, it's painful to even think about. But that's how the blood is shed. And without the shedding of the blood, there's no remission of sin. The death of Jesus Christ has been determined by the counsel of God before the world began. He did not react to our sin. He knew. He ordained Christ to be crucified. And Peter preached this. Peter preached this. We don't make decisions for Jesus Christ. God chooses us. And when his grace comes, our minds are open. The power of the gospel opens up our mind to receive the faith of God in Christ. Verse 24 to 28. Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be beholden of it. Death has no claim on Jesus Christ. Death has no claim. The grave has no hold on Jesus Christ. Though he died, but death and the grave has no power over him. He conquered that. And in verse 25, For David speaketh concerning him. Again, goes back quoting the scripture. For I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with my countenance. Christ's resurrection 
is the closing argument. Without the resurrection, your faith is in vain. The gospel is in vain. But because Jesus Christ is resurrected, now we have hope. We know that death and the grave shall not conquer us. When the angel of death comes, we look at the angel of death and we say, what will you do? I have the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel message. There's no fear in the Christian who hears the gospel message and is transformed by God's power. Christ was chosen by God to be the first fruits of resurrection. And all those who trust in him together will rise together with him in the last day. Just like Martha said. Verse 29 to 36. Men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David. Again, he quotes the scripture again. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loin, according to the flesh, he should raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, wherefore we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, set forth this which ye now see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he saith himself that the Lord has unto my Lord sit upon my right hand until I make thy foe thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ. The preaching of Jesus Christ and him crucified concludes with the declaration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. King David, whom the Jews admired and revered, David said, Christ, the Messiah, was my Lord. He was my King. Placing Jesus Christ above David, and David was dead, and Jesus Christ has resurrected from the dead. That is the gospel. The gospel showing you that here's the scripture and here is the fulfillment of the scripture. David prophesied and Jesus Christ fulfilled it. And we preach that fulfillment. We preach Jesus Christ. The authority of Jesus Christ is above all kings, principalities. The authority of Jesus Christ is above every dominion. Every power in heaven or in earth, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The authority of Jesus Christ is witnessed by the Holy Spirit in which the apostle were the recipient of this testimony. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they received power and began to preach the gospel. The gospel cannot be preached until you have the Spirit of God turning in you and making you into an instrument in which God will speak through you the gospel of Jesus Christ, His death and His resurrection. That is how the gospel has power because the Holy Spirit speaks through us the mortal instruments that changed life. And in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus. He ends with Jesus. He began quoting the passages in the scripture and he ends proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and Christ. The apostle Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you. The gospel has the power to save. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The gospel has the power to save. The preaching of Christ and Him crucified is exclusive and without mixture of man's wisdom. The power of the gospel is inherent in the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God has bringeth salvation had appeared to all men. What Titus is saying is that 
salvation has appeared. So why don't we have it? Because we don't understand. Why don't we understand? Because well, no one's talking about the gospel. Without preaching the gospel, how can you understand? God's grace, the only means for our salvation. For you and I to receive the word being preached, we need to have God's grace. And how do you have God's grace? Augustine said, my friend, pray. Pray. The only way for you to have God's grace, and now not because you pray God gives you grace, but prayer is the only means in which God gives you grace. So that the grace of God open our mind to the power of the preaching of the gospel. How do you receive the preaching of the gospel? Is why I speak to you foolishness. Well, good. When Paul preached, they thought he was a fool. Is it contemptible? Do you get upset when you hear the gospel, when you hear me preach? If you do, good. That's the purpose of the gospel. The Corinthians says that Paul preaching was contemptible to them. If you preach the gospel and people hate you, you're in good company because the gospel tends to have that kind of effect. Is it confusing? It should be less confusing, should it? Should the gospel be less confusing? If it's confusing to you, good. Because Peter reminded us, remember when Paul preached? You guys didn't understand. You guys thought it was confusing because you didn't spend the time to learn it. And also, in all his epistles, this is Peter talking about Paul, speaking in them in these things, which are some things hard to be understood. Hard to be understood. All right, hard to see too. Hard to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, meaning they wrestle with it, as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. If it's confusing, you have not learned Christ. You have not learned the scripture. And that's why it's important for you to learn the scripture. Are you angry? Good. You should be angry. You should not be happy. You should be angry. Because let me tell you, at the end of Peter's message, this is what happened in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, meaning their heart has something that pierced through it. The gospel is the power of God. The word of God is a two-edged sword dividing our hearts and mind. The gospel, when it comes out, it should change you. It should provoke you. It should prick you. Spurgeon says this, if I preach the gospel, you come away agreeing with me. I did not do my job. The gospel when we preach Christ and Him crucified, it's supposed to prick your heart, cause you to bend your knee and call out to God. Because that's what the gospel is meant, to reveal our sin and our fallen nature and the graciousness of God, to bring us to repentance. I wish that all who hear the preaching today is pricked in their heart and to bend the knee and call out to God for salvation. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we pray that your name will be glorified, that Jesus Christ will be exalted in our midst, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be proclaimed by your servants. They will be used by the Holy Spirit as instruments of righteousness to bring the salvation message through Christ and Him crucified to all those who hear. And may their minds be opened that they will receive the gospel. And may their knees be bent to the glory and praise of God. And may your grace find us, Lord, where we are in our walk with you. May you draw us closer to you and to that cross. For truly, Lord, unto us to live is Christ and to die is gain. While we yet live in this flesh, Father, help us to live out the calling that you have ordained for us, a life that you have given to us so that as we live, 
we proclaim the Lord's death until the day that he comes. And in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.